Welcome all you good movie buddies to the Popcorn Diet, a movie podcast for those who live on a steady diet of movie theater popcorn and other movie snacks, including those classics like Go-Gurt, Handy Snacks, and Squeeze-Its. And I say those snacks because we're going retro today, David. We're looking back into the past with our first annual, the Popcorn Diet's first annual Hindsight Awards. As always... My name is Rick Williamson, your very best good movie buddy. And as usual, we're joined by our other good movie buddy, the Canadian machine, Mr. David Melhorn. And David, how are we doing today? I'm feeling nostalgic. Yeah? Good. <laughs> good. Uh, because we are going nostalgic uh, this episode. Now, this is Oscar week. We're in the final push to the Academy Awards, the 90th annual Academy Awards. And we have a love-hate relationship with the Academy Awards. On one hand, we love movies and we love to celebrate movies and we love that the Oscars sometimes feel like celebrating the same movies that we celebrate, although it's rare. Um, and other times we absolutely hate it because it just feels like the Oscars are so out of touch with the general population and what people are watching and 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 a lot of times they feel really um for, for lack of a better word there's a lack of diversity but not in the areas that you might think now i know that i've already talked about this in our in our oscar predictions and whatnot um and specifically when they announced the nominations but david i know that you know that i have a particular issue with the diversity of genres that are represented at the Oscars, right? Yep. I mean, we're talking about celebrating film, and yet 90% of all Best Picture winners have been dramas. You are more likely to get nominated for Best Picture if you're a drama or a war film than any other type of film. Less than 10% of all Best Picture nominees were genre films such as sci-fis or horrors or comedies. And it feels, it just feels, I could be wrong, but it feels a lot like it, it's getting worse. And so sometimes it's hard with Oscars because they pick these movies in the spur of the moment. And sometimes they're political decisions. And sometimes they're like uh, lifetime achievements, such as when... Um, the Return of the King won 11 Oscars, even though the argument could be made that maybe Two Towers is a better film, mm -hmm. things like that, you know? Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that, that you and I have always discussed is that we wish there was some type of award set up that looked back into the past and used the hindsight of history to genuinely award what deserved in the t over the test of time to be rewarded. Mm -hmm. And that is where the idea for the Popcorn Diet's first annual Hindsight Awards came to be. Essentially, the goal of these Hindsight Awards, David, was to potentially correct maybe any narrow-minded selections at the time, maybe selections that really nobody cares about anymore, that, you know, the Oscars typically present as quote-unquote awards contenders. And uh, my goal was to always break the definition of what makes a film an Oscar film by including other genres such as the ones that I mentioned on so, you know science fiction action films comedies horror films things like that uh, I feel like every film should be an Oscar film you know possibly potentially and uh, and so that is kind of what our goal is is to find what 
the new Oscar films could be. How do you feel about that? Does that sound okay? Sound I, like a decent mission statement? It sounds like a decent mission statement. Now, and you and I vary a little bit on this in the sense that I agree that the Oscars has a diversity issue in that it is very narrow and it's very predictable who's going to get nominated each year. And it right. is a very typecast type of film. And one of the things that will be unique as we go through this is throughout the years, and we've talked about this in previous podcasts, that there's been a change. Uh, at one point, it was just five films. Right. And now we can have up to 10. Up to 10. Up to 10. Doesn't mean there's going to be 10, but we can have Hasn't been 10. since they changed that rule. Exactly. Um, my opinion on it is I do believe there's a lack of diversity in the films, but I also am firm, a firm believer that you don't put certain films in just so we have diversity. Sure. In. Like, I don't want like us to feel like we have to just throw a comedy in there to have a comedy. Sure. Like, or we've got to throw a sci-fi movie or an action movie no. in there just so we can say, okay, we've got diversity in our nominees. Some years there's just not a good comedy that comes out. Sure. It's definitely not a best picture worthy comedy that comes right. out. And so I think it's important that we're not just trying to go back to these years and say, okay, they didn't have a comedy nominated. We're going to correct that. We're going to put a comedy And in we're going to put something in there. We're going to keep the significance of the award being a best picture or being a best actor, but we're going to have more of an open view and not just look at what it seems like always the Academy looks at like 12 films and they're usually dramas or something similar right. to that. Um, I have a feeling you're saying this because because in in my articles that I've written up, I made a few controversial decisions. You did. Okay. And we'll get to those. And we will get to those. But 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 before we do, what I did is I went through the hindsight awards are designed for us to look back twenty years into the past, ten years into the past, and five years into the past to be able to judge. And and David, I think what you said is a very good point. I think with the aid of history or with the help of hindsight, we are better able to distinguish what types of comedies maybe were more deserved. Um, and which is not to be said that dramas can't be in there. There are some amazing dramas that were made that 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 excelled um, and that are memorable and that helped start careers, build careers, or even change the way films were made. So I don't want to just come out and say like, oh, every drama, get them out of here. We're nominating, you know, all the fucking, um, <laughs> you know, uh, meet the parents films. Like, no. We're not doing that, okay? But but what we will do is we will start. We wrote these out. You can find these uh, if you follow us on social media at The Popcorn Diet or you go to our website, popcorndietpodcast.com. We have part one, part two, and part three of our Hindsight Awards where we broke down the films that were nominated at the time, some of the more monumental, for lack of a better word, films or some of the, the films that kind of um, – held stronger in hindsight. And then we remade the nominees. Um, and some people got kicked out of the list. Some people got added to the list and some people stayed. But we're going to start with 20 years ago. 
right? 20 years ago was the 70th annual Academy Awards, which were held in 1998, but celebrated the films of 1997. So some of the, you know, just to, to give you an idea of some of the films that came out in 97, you got Titanic, Goodwill Hunting, L.A. Confidential, Men in Black, Liar Liar, Starship Troopers, The Lost World. You had Tarantino making Jackie Brown, which was only his third movie at the time. You had Boogie Nights. You know, a lot of big... Austin Powers came out that year. Um, a lot of big, you know, uh, uh, kind of earth-changing movies. Obviously, Titanic being the big one, mm -hmm. you know, um, that came out that year. But you being our resident historian and statistician you've you've taken it upon yourself to find some information about the about 1997 just to transport us back there so why don't you do that david uh, why don't you take me and the audience back into 1997 talk about what happened that year well we're going to take a trip back and and one of the reasons we we want to get you in the frame of mind of 1997 is that whether we like it or not, a lot of times what is going on that year can play a part in what wins it's sure. not Unlike, uh, unfortunately, the the Academy Awards do not push out politics into their factoring of of what they deserves them. best picture that year. But they, they loop them in. If we go back to 1997, we have things like gas was a dollar twenty two gallon. Ooh. I wish it was still that. Uh, bird flu. Remember bird flu. The, bird, the avian flu. Avian flu struck in China, killed a lot of people. Okay. Uh, we lost Mother Teresa and Princess Diana that year. Wow. Uh, IBM's Deep Blue, the computer, beat Kasparov, the Russian. Wow. Go Twenty USA. years ago. Go Steve go go a computer USA. <laughs> That's right. Steve Jobs returned to Apple, uh, and. Notorious B.I.G. was killed as oh, well. Oh, shit. So. We lost Mother Teresa, Princess Di, and, and Biggie Smalls. And Biggie Smalls that year? Yep, yep. Damn, son. That's a big year. And we already listed some of the movies that came out. Now, we're not going to focus on all the awards. We're going to focus on the big, uh, what is it, the big six? Yeah, big the big six. six, which are the four acting awards, the directing award, and the picture award. And much like the Oscars um, put together their uh, and present their uh, nominees. We're going to start with Best Supporting Actress, and we're going to kind of build up to Best Picture here. Now, just to remind you all of who was nominated back in 1997 for Best Supporting Actress, you have Kim Basinger in L.A. Confidential. You had Joan Cusack in in and out Minnie Driver in Goodwill Hunting, Julianne Moore in Boogie Nights, and Gloria Stewart, who played Old Rose in Titanic. Um, I'm not going to go over all of the different other nominees just for the sake of time, uh, but you can find those on our articles on the popcorndietpodcast.com. Uh, David, just right off the bat, I want to like one of the things I want to do is a critical, like a very, very quick critical analysis of the nominees themselves. And I'm just going to put it out here Gloria Stewart for Titanic, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, that was ridiculous. Ridiculous, right? I think the argument could be made that all other nominees. Um, were either at their best, for example, Joan Cusack in In and Out, mm -hmm. um, or were starting really good careers like Minnie Driver and Julianne Moore, um, and they were certainly great performances. I mean, listen, even Gloria Stewart was a good performance, um, but 
But yeah, do you have any thoughts on those? I, I would say that the three most memorable are probably Basinger, Driver, and Julianne Moore. Cusack is great because she's been a character actress her entire life, mm -hmm. and seeing her get that nomination is good. But I'd say those are the three that probably stick around and stand the test of time. Absolutely, and and I think you know this was actually a pretty strong year, I'd say, for the supporting actress uh, category. Um, I think it's no secret that both you and I are big LA Confidential fans. It's true. And so, <laughs> um, I think we had very f few issues with Kim Basinger. But even as I go back to these, um, for me, it, it really came down to Mini Driver and, and sticking with Kim Basinger. Yep. Um, and, and for me, I, I, would stick, I would stick with what they did and, and stick with the Kim Basinger. I would probably do the same. I mean, we're unabashed LA Confidential fans here, and that is going. And guess what, David? You know what the beauty of this is? <laughs> this is our decision. That's right. We can be biased. That's fine. If you don't agree with us, make your own awards, like, or, or have a discussion with us. We're, we're open to it. But I'm going to agree with you. There's a voting. You. you can vote. You can vote. You can go to these articles right now and vote on the hindsight Oscars. I do want to give a shout out to some people I feel probably deserved a nomination, such as like Mila Jovovich in The Fifth Element, like yeah. as Lilu, is a, a physically impressive performance, just from like a mime standpoint. It's almost a silent film performance, and it's really, really great. Or even, you know, I mean, she's really the big standout one, but if you wanted to start throwing around supporting actress nominations, you're gonna we're gonna not talk about Kathy Bates in Titanic either. <laughs> Um, so, the, you know, those were a couple, but I think, yes, I'm going to have to agree with you that uh, Kim Basinger is going to take it from L.A. Confidential. Um, and I'll, then I'll let you take the lead on supporting actor because this is another one. That's so support pretty 90, strong. 97 was very a very supporting year. Uh, <laughs> we had Robin Williams as the winner it, for Goodwill Hunting. Uh, we had Robert Forster for Jackie Brown, Oof. Anthony Hopkins for Amistad, Amistad. Uh, Greg Kinnear, Greg Kinnear, as good as it gets, and Burt Reynolds for Boogie Nights. So yep. uh, all great performances. Sure. Um, some of the other ones out there, though, uh, you had John Voight in The Rainmaker. You had uh, Billy Connolly. You had uh, Ben Affleck in Goodwill Hunting. You, you had, had the other two LA Confidential guys. You Guy had Guy Pierce and Russell Crowe. Yeah, yeah. You had Viggo Mortensen. You had Ray Liotta in Copland. Robert De Niro, Johnny Depp, and Donnie Brasco. So there was a lot of great performances um, that you would call the supporting role. Sure. Um, for me. Um, this one's really easy. I, I mean, I could argue some of the nominations and, and change around some of those. Sure. But, I mean, Robin Williams, that was a defining role of his career. Yeah. I mean, we always think of Robin Williams as a funny guy. Um, but that he just killed it in Goodwill Hunting. It's an all-timer. It's an all-timer performance. I would probably switch out Anthony Hopkins with one of my L.A. Confidential boys. Russell Crowe obviously went on to have great success. But Guy Pierce. Underappreciated Guy Pierce, I feel, was was absolute nails in L.A. Confidential. Well, he played. He wasn't a likable character. No. Even though he wasn't a bad guy in the movie. <laughs> no, he was a like, prick. You, you hated him, but he was really a good guy in the movie. Sure. But and he was great at it. Yeah, and he was he just was so fantastic. Good. Ed Exley, but I mean, again, it's 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 Robin Williams, hands down. I mean, there are some scenes in that film. That are heartbreaking. They are they are hilarious. He still gets the opportunity to be funny, but he has this wisdom about him. 
Um, and this sadness, which probably is was probably more true to character than we knew at the time. Yep. You know, that he had this deep sort of this heartbreak in him. Um, and yeah, so, you know, pour one out for Robin Williams. He's keeping his Oscar. Uh, let's move on to Best Actress. This one has a lot that I don't care about. This one has Helen Hunt, who was the winner for As Good As It Gets. You have Helena Bonham Carter in The Wings of the Dove, a movie that I didn't even, <laughs> I couldn't tell you existed. You have Julie Christie in Afterglow, yet another film I couldn't tell you existed. You had Judy Dench in Mrs. Brown, yet another film I couldn't tell you existed. And then, of course, Kate Winslet in Titanic. So I feel like... This one has the biggest opportunity for clearing house, but also there weren't a ton of lead female performances that year that were all of that deserving. Um, obviously, I think Pam Greer and Jackie Brown um, is one of the classically underrated ones. You had Demi Moore and G.I. Jane, which at the time, you know, wasn't as, as well received. But you go back and you watch that movie now. It's I mean, it's a good like she kicks ass in that movie. Uh, you had Jennifer Lopez, who burst onto the scene with Selena, quite possibly one of her best performances right off the bat. And then you had Chasing Amy, one of Kevin Smith's greatest films, and you had Joy Lauren Adams and Chasing Amy as well. So I feel like you could switch out a bunch of these. And if I had to pick, I mean, as good as Helen Hunt is and as good as it gets, what has Helen Hunt done in hindsight? Has she, I mean, I, granted, she's been around, you know, she's done a few indies here or there. She's even picked up another nomination or two for a supporting actress. But this entire category is almost a wash. And so I would give it, shockingly enough, I'd give it to Pam Greer in Jackie Brown. That's sort of a, a, a career achievement award. She's awesome in it. Um, and I think Jackie Brown is one of Quentin Tarantino's most underrated films. What do you think? How dare you? She Helen Hunt went on to do Pay It Forward, <laughs> Castaway. The fuck out of here. What Women Want. Oh, five seconds of Castaway. What Women Want. No way. No, I'm not even going to give her that because Marissa Tomei was better Marissa than What Tomei. Women Want. Anyways, uh, for me, yeah, this was a, this was a rough category. Um, you've got some of the big names that we're used to seeing being nominated today. Sure. Um, and this was pretty well. Judy Dench is old, so it wasn't early Judy on. Judy Dench her. was but, this was like her Meryl Street phase. But Kate Winslet, this was kind of Kate Winslet's was like big her, announcement. Not that she hadn't been around, but this was, it was her, her arrival. Yeah. Sure. Uh Helen Bonham Carter is around all the time now. Sure. Um so we're used to that. You know what? I don't think anybody gives Demi Moore enough respect for shaving her head, actually shaving her head. She could have gone the easy way. Sure. Well, and working out, like getting into shape, yeah. like she kicked her ass for that movie, yeah. her own ass for there's that a movie. Lot of, there was a lot of commitment there. Um, unlike you, I'm I'm actually sticking with the winner here. Okay. So I've been pretty I've been pretty boring thus far. We're Sorry. going with, with chalk thus far. Um, it's twenty years ago, but I do think it, it was a weak category, and I think as good of as as good as it gets. Um, it I mean it was a good movie, but it's a good movie, and you ha we have to give it credit for. You know, it was a comedy. It was yeah. a dramedy. Dramedy. But, you know, more of a comedic performance. Yeah, and I and I think, um, you know, I, I, for one, while I liked Kate Winslet in, in Titanic, I don't think anything about what she did was super memorable to nah. me. But, so. I agree. I agree. All right, All now. Right. Actors. This. 
This one's got a lot. This is pretty stacked, but also at the same time, it's stacked full of a bunch of regular guys in movies that nobody really remembers. It is. Have you heard of Jack Nicholson? No. He, he was the winner. Maybe a little bit. Uh, he was in As Good As It Gets. Uh, Matt Damon. A young man named Matt Damon at the time. Goodwill Hunting. Uh, another guy named Robert Duvall in The Apostle. Someone named Peter Fonda in Yuli's Gold. Dustin Hoffman. Have you heard of him? I've heard Wag of, the Dog. I've heard of Dustin Hoffman. But we also had people like Mark Wahlberg, Boogie Nights, Sylvester Stallone, Copland, Leonardo DiCaprio, Kevin Klein, Daniel Day-Lewis, Mike Myers, Kevin Spacey. Uh, Jaiman Hansau. Jaiman. I got you Amistad. I got you Yeah, you one. got me good. <laughs> uh, Jim Carrey. Liar, liar. Yeah. Samuel Jackson. L. Jackson. Jackie Brown. So, I mean, we had basically every big name doing a good performance in a lead role. Yeah, Daniel Day-Lewis back when just him showing up didn't mean a nomination. Yeah. And, and, and even some of these people were at the beginning of their careers. Sure. DiCaprio wasn't. DiCaprio at that point. Wahlberg, Damon, Wahlberg all of them. Damon wasn't. Even uh, you know, even Jim Carrey, while he was big on the comedy sure. side of things, um, it's not like he had started branching out into those. And again, Liar Liar is a Jim Carrey comedy and, and from even that standpoint. Jimon's been back. He he's he's his his uh premiere role was in Amistad, but yep. he got nominated for Blood Diamond. He's been a perennial character actor for in a Russell Crowe movie for the last twenty years. Yep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so who would you who would you? I mean, for for it's a pretty strong list, but for me, it's 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 a tough one. Um, you know, I I liked seeing Jack win it at the time. Sure. Um, you know, but I might actually go with with our boy uh, Matt Damon for Goodwill Hunting. Ooh, for Goodwill Hunting, huh? I would get rid of all of the three old people. I'd get, I'd keep Nicholson and Damon. Uh, not that Jack Nicholson isn't one of the old people at this point, <laughs> but Duval, Fond, and Hoffman. I don't remember any of these movies in this in the in the test of time. No one's talking about the Apostle. No one's talking about Wag the Dog and Yuli's Gold. So in hindsight, these are wasted nominations, but. You know, somebody like Mike Myers in Austin Powers, who literally defined comedy for a generation, or Jim Carrey in Liar Liar, again, somebody who defined an entire genre of comedy for a generation, or L.A. Confidential in, ja uh, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Kevin Spacey, who is astounding in L.A. Confidential. Like, there are a lot of people who deserve those nominations, but I'm going to stick with Jack because Jack is Jack. And he does absolutely crush it in that film. Like he's he's amazing. Although, seeing Damon get it, like I get, I understand. I totally get it. Uh, that I just takes, I just couldn't go another four, fourth category with the exactly what happened. It's in, true. I'm uh, glad you decided so. to mix it up a little bit. <laughs> um, best director, we had James Cameron who won for Titanic. Curtis Hansen for L.A. Confidential, probably his best film. Uh, Gus Van Sant for Goodwill Hunting, uh, Adam Agoyan for The Sweet Hereafter, and Peter Cantillo for The Full Monty. Uh, um, when I made this list, I'm gonna give you a guess at which two names I knocked off: The Sweet Hereafter and The Full Monty. Sorry, Adam tell, Egoyan. Tell me how you felt when you watched The Sweet Hereafter. Uh, <laughs> I've never seen that film in my life. Um, and again, listen, I know I probably sound like a prick because there are probably people out there who. 
watch The Sweet Hereafter and probably it might be your favorite film. I don't mean to discount that, right? Like I, I'm not coming at this from like an aggressive standpoint that if you love that film and you think it deserves a nomination that you're wrong because you're not. That's the beautiful thing about this, but it's our podcast and you can go and vote. Um, remember, popcorndietpodcast.com. You can go and vote for yourself. But I'm taking out Agoyan. I'm taking out uh, Kat and Neo. And, I mean, we had, like, Luke Besson for The Fifth Element, Paul Verhoeven for an amazing satire in Starship Troopers, Spielberg for Amistad, Paul Thomas Anderson for Boogie Nights, Tarantino for Jackie Brown. I mean, hell, I'd even throw John Woo in there for Face Off. You know, why can't we give awards to action directors who put together absolutely insanely choreographed action, right? Ultimately, though, this is a two-horse race between the king of the world, James Cameron, and Curtis Hansen for L.A. Confidential. And spoiler alert, L.A. Confidential is my favorite film of all time. So I'm going to give Curtis Hansen the love that he never got, and I'm going to give it to him here. It's a good pick. <laughs> but. You know, I have to say, you know, at this point, if we're going into significance, too, at this point, James Cameron, it's not like he was an unknown entity. Um, he had done the Terminator 2, Terminator 1, sure. Aliens. But, but he had never quite he, done He had something. never really done. He had done True Lies. So it's not like he was an unknown director. Uh-huh. But to have that movie where they threw $200 million at him to do he basically he turned into at this point i felt like was the turning point where it's like because if you think about it terminator 2 84 aliens 86 uh terminator 2 91 true lies 94 anyways what i'm getting at is he cranked movies out kind of at a normal director pace sure i feel like when he went to titanic he started saying you know what i'm just gonna spend crazy amounts of money and I'm going to take a really long time to and, make my movies. And he became a guy who really pushed, like, technical filmmaking forward. Yeah. Like, he spent, he after Titanic, he spent, like, ten fucking years just underneath the surface of the ocean. Yeah. In a sub, like, learning shit. Well, and, it, and it's hard to realize when you go and watch Titanic now how many things it did technically. Sure. That were not. Never been done before. Never been done before. So... I got to give it to him. He did a lot of different things. My favorite movie from this year is still L.A. Confidential, and I think it's a fantastically directed film, but right. I got to give it up to James Cameron for all the things he achieved in that movie. I mean, Titanic was really a watermark of blockbuster filmmaking. It really changed the way that blockbuster films were made, and it changed the way that gigantic prestige films were seen as well because they could be both. Mm-hmm. You know, He kind of invented the bloated, over-budget blockbuster. Um, and that takes us to Best Picture, David. Speaking of giant, overbloated uh, blockbuster <laughs> Best Picture nominees, what did we have for Best Picture? So our nominees, and again, this was back when there was only five nominated. Yes. Uh, was Titanic, Goodwill Hunting, L.A. Confidential, As Good As It Gets, and The Full Monty. Um, other films, you've probably heard them as we've talked through uh, the other categories, but we had things like Jackie Brown, Copland, Austin Powers, if we're going into comedy, Liar Liar on comedy, Fifth Element, Face Off. Uh, if you want to throw a chick flick in there, you had My Best Friend's Wedding. Uh, yeah, you had In and Out. You had Hercules if you wanted to talk Amy. animated films. Yep. 
Uh, the Rainmaker, if you want to go with the John Grisham, really mm -hmm. good legal drama uh, movie. So there was a lot of really good movies in there. Um, and I think this is a year that could have benefited from having the 10 nominees rule because I think you would have gotten, I don't know if with the current makeup of how they evaluate and pick movies, I don't know if we would have gotten 10, right. but I guarantee you we would have had more than five. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, just talking like, I mean, Boogie Nights, Men in, even Men in Black, you know, yeah, like which at the time was a phenomenon. Sure. So who? So you think Titanic still sticks around? Who is your hindsight best picture winner for 1997? Well, as much as I love LA Confidential, Oof. I think you can't ignore the impact that Titanic has continued to have. You and I love LA Confidential. I would call it the best picture from this year. Sure. But as far as if we're going both good movie and the impact it had sure. on the test of time. Sure. I can't take it away from Titanic, but I want to pick LA Confidential. Well, you know, you did do a very good job of keeping within the sort of mission statement of the Hindsight Awards, but I don't give a fuck. I'm going LA Confidential. <laughs> um, it's my favorite film of all time. And you are 100% correct. Titanic has stood the test of time. It probably does deserve the Hindsight Award for 1997's Best Picture. But I'm going L.A. Confidential because... I wouldn't respect you if you didn't. Like You can't not pick your be your favorite movie. I, so. I, I make no apologies. And yet, at the same time, I do apologize a little bit. I get it. I understand. It can be frustrating. Thanks for ruining our chances of getting James Cameron on here. I love you, James Cameron. <laughs> I'm so excited for you to eventually crank out those four Avatar sequels that you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, I can't wait for 2024 when, get, when Avatar I'm, 4 comes I'm out. I'm going to be 35 <laughs> before I get a sequel to this fucking movie, Jim. God. All right. That being said, let's go. Let's jump back into our time machine. 20 years ago. It's set. It's done. Again, you can always go and you can vote on your favorites. But we're going to go 10 years ago to the year... Uh, the, the Academy Awards, the 80th annual Academy Awards, were obviously in 2008, but they were celebrating 2007 in film. Um, big films to come out that year include No Country for Old Men, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, There Will Be Blood, Ratatouille, 300 came out that year, Sweeney Todd came out that year, Knocked Up, Hairspray, Hot Fuzz. Um, I will tell you, though, that 2007 was a really shitty year for, like, quality blockbusters. All of the big films that made money in 2007 weren't really great. Um, even, in the, even in hindsight, in hindsight, the big blockbusters that came out that year just weren't that impressive. Um, especially in comparison to other years. We're talking Spider-Man 3. We're talking Shrek the Third. We're talking Transformers. Like, sorry, guys, not all that impressive with some of those. Even Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End, which I love. Ugh, I can't bring myself to put it on this <laughs> list. I can't do it. Um, and so that takes us again to Best Supporting Actress. Well, first off, I'm going to tell you oh, what I was forgot. going yes, on. Oh, I forgot. Yes, David. Give me you, i got to put you in the 2007 the frame scene. of mind. You Set gave the us scene. the movies, but gas, unfortunately, had skyrocketed to $3.38 a gallon. Oh, my God. Apple made a little bit of an announcement. I don't know if you've heard of the iPhone. But oh. Was, 2007 was when they announced the first iPhone. Okay. Uh, and only 10 years ago. The Mitchell Report, does that ring a bell to you? A little bit. Steroids and baseball. 
apparently, you know, there's people juicing up. Everyone was doing it. Everyone was doing it. Um, that was also the beginning of the collapse of the housing market. So oh, yeah. for those of you that bought a house in 2007 or 2006, I apologize. Mm-hmm. I was doesn't bring good memories. I was, uh, I was uh, an intern at Walt Disney's Animal Kingdom. So you were in the thick of where... There was just ghost towns of communities. So, yep, pretty. But that was 2007. <laughs> so a, a great time for all. Other than that, there really wasn't much to talk about from 2007. And maybe that's just because the market was going into the gutter. But all right, yeah. Best Supporting Actress. In our category, we had the nominations were we had Tilda Swinton, who was the winner for uh, Michael Clayton. Kate, okay. Blan- Kate Blanchett, I'm Not There. Ruby D, American Gangster. Uh, say her name. I, she's nominated again this Saoirse. year. Saoirse Ronan. Saoirse Ronan. Atonement. Yep. Amy Ryan, Gone Baby Gone. Uh, other people in uh, other movies. Um, you had Leslie Mann, Knocked Up. Uh, Ellen Barkin, Ocean's 13. Charlize Theron in the Valley of Allah. Ella. Ella. Uh, Ella. Whatever. Marcia Gay Hayden, Harden, The Mist, Rose Byrne, 28 day, Weeks Later, Emma Stone, Superbad, Jennifer Gardner, The Kingdom. Again, and, not and, a lot to pull from. No. So, you know, it it was a where two, 97 was strong for supporting actors. I would call this a little weak for yeah. supporting actors. Um, for me, I mean, Tilda Swinton was great in Michael Clayton. I actually saw that movie. I did not see I'm Not There with Kate Blanchett. She's always nominated. Um no one rem- like let's be honest no one remembers Ruby D in American Gangster. I don't. I mean the only person you remember in American Gangster is Denzel. It's Denzel. So, um, you don't even remember Russell Crowe that much. No. Sorry. Amy Ryan, I really liked in Gone Baby Gone. She's horrible in it. And she was not <laughs> like she's the worst. Yeah. And then, and then she, she was one of the weak points of that movie. And then she go like she's she wasn't a weak point like but she's a piece of shit character. Yeah. yeah. You know, which is funny because then she went to the office and, and was like, and then super charming. Yeah, she was. Well, and, and I don't know if you remember she was in uh, the Wire too. That's so. right. She was in the Wire. Good call. So does Tilda Swinton keep it? I mean, Tilda Swinton is one of our most interesting actresses working she does weird shit all the time i would venture to say that her performance in michael clayton is one of the more straightforward like not weird performances yeah you know what i don't really come back to this and and think of any of the ones we really had to pick from as Mm. super memorable no so i think in that case i'm gonna stick with the chalk and uh go with tilda swinton I'm going to pull Marsha Gay Harden from The Mist. The Mist is one of my favorite horror films of all time. And Marsha Gay Harden plays this religious zealot woman who the monsters are outside, right? All the people are trapped in the the store and the monsters are outside. But what the movie does so well is it shows just how like monstrous humanity can be when forced into extreme circumstances. And she ends up forming cults who like sacrifice people to the monster and shit like that. And she is as terrifying as the monsters. So I'm going to give it to Marsha Gay Harden for The Mist All right. on that one. Um, again, if you haven't seen The Mist, God, you got to go see it. It's fantastic. Supporting actor here has some really strong ones. One of the strongest and most memorable of all time with Javier Bardem 
in No Country for Old Men. You had Casey Affleck getting his first nomination for the assassination of Jesse James by the, by the coward Robert Ford. Philip Seymour Hoffman, literally the best part of Charlie Wilson's War. It's amazing in it. Um, and then you have Hal Holbrook in Into the Wild. Eh. And you have Tom Wilkinson and Michael Clayton. Eh. I mean, I'm not that impressed with them. You know, you had... You love Into the Wild, though. I hate Into the Wild. How dare you? <laughs> um, you had like a one, two, three combo of Zodiac. Zodiac came out this year. And Zodiac is one of the more underappreciated films, I think, it ever. It really is. Um, but you got Ruffalo, Downey Jr., and Anthony Edwards coming in mm-hmm. for some Zodiac love. You got Matt Damon in Ocean's 13, who I think, like, he owns that film. I know oh, yeah. it's obviously one of your favorite films. Um, literally, like, half the cast of The Order of the Phoenix could have gotten in. Gary Oldman, Michael Gambon, Ray Fiennes, like, name it. You know, you could throw them in there. Killian Murphy in Sunshine, one of the better science fiction films of the past t- decade, Ed Harris, Gone Baby Gone, Morgan Freeman, Gone Baby Gone. But I want to bring a little bit of attention to pretty boy James Marsden, Cyclops from the old X-Men series. Old Cyclops, not new Mm -hmm. Cyclops. He's already been around long enough to be old Cyclops. He played Prince Charming in Enchanted, and he was phenomenal. Like Like literally a cartoon come to life. A cartoon Prince Charming come to life. And that's something that I feel is like should be recognized. He ain't beating Javier Bardem, though. None of these motherfuckers are coming in and beating Javier Bardem. That dude was a force of nature. I'm sticking with him. That's an all-timer performance. Without talking about Javier, the, <laughs> the, the three performances that I enjoyed the most from this year we're definitely Matt Damon, Ocean's 13. One, because I'm a big Ocean's 13 fan. And mm-hmm. like you said, he owns that movie. Um, ben Foster in 310 to Yuma. I love me some Ben Foster. That's your boy. And he is the most memorable part of that movie in a movie that has both Christian Bale and Russell Crowe in it. Charlie Prince. So and good. Paul Dano in There Will Be Blood. I hated him as a character in there. And I know... I'm going to shatter some some minds on the podcast and and out Rick that you he has motherfucker <laughs> you son of a bitch how dare you that he how has, dare you that he has not seen there will be blood though he does quote drainage Eli drainage I drink your milkshake so you motherfucker <laughs> whatever wow wow okay all but, right fine <laughs> we're gonna be doing the rest of this podcast in a real hostile nature then <laughs> fine um also i just have to make a side note that i thought charlie wilson's war was terrible but philip seymour philip seymour Hoffman's the best part was the only good part of yes. that movie yes so but javier bardem it's not even a, it's not even a question he was fantastic why don't you just why don't you just go straight to best actress <laughs> feel like i need a minute <laughs> all right this was another one that for me was a little rush a uh, little rough at least um we had uh marion cotillard and la vie and rose and rose yeah Whatever. uh kate blanchett in elizabeth the golden age just another prince uh queen elizabeth movie yep uh julie christie away from her laura linney the Savages, uh, Ellen Page, Juno. Um, there were some good names uh, that were overlooked, in in my opinion. You had uh, Lena Haiti in uh, 300, Emma yep. Watson, Harry Potter, obviously. 
Uh, you had Nikki Blonsky, which that was kind of her. Wasn't didn't they even do the whole introducing yeah. Nikki Blonsky in for hairspray? Hairspray. She was great in hairspray. Uh, Naomi Watts in Eastern Promises. Mm-hmm. Good old Vigo movie. Uh, Meryl Streep, Lions and Lambs. Amy Adams, Enchanted. Kieran Knightley, Atonement. Uh, Helen Bonham Carter, Sweeney Todd. Um, there was a lot of the big names did movies. Jodie Foster, The Brave One, Catherine Heigl, Knocked Up, Angelina Jolie did A Mighty Heart. So there was a lot of the big names that came out with movies and, sure. and quote-unquote potentially Oscar-type roles. Um, I don't have a whole lot to say about this category. <laughs> Even though there was a lot of big names, there's not a lot of them that... I really cared for. Apparently, it wasn't a great year for leading women's performances or <laughs> diversity because most of those are white women. <laughs> yeah. Like, so come on. Um, you know, I think if there's a performance that was kind of memorable from the year that I would say, quote unquote, iconic, I'd have to go with Ellen Page for Juno. I mean, that's the only one that I can think of as I read through this list. And I will admit I haven't seen all these movies, but that's. It's the least you could do after your <laughs> grandiose statement about me. The least you could do is admit you haven't seen some I, of these. I, I would I would be between Ellen Page and probably actually Emma Watson just because there just wasn't much to to really There's be not. that excited about. There's um, really not in this. So. Um, you know, this leads to like the conversation of like. I wasn't really that impressed with Juno, to be honest with you, but there's no doubt that Ellen Page's performance elevates that film. So the question is, do do we reward somebody whose whose performance is the, is the best part of that film? Or, like, do we punish them because, like, everyone else needs to get on their level? It's kind of one of the reasons that I – you see this happen, and I hate that it happens, but, like – the past few years, like the w- winner of Best Actress is like literally the only nomination for that film. I think Julianne Moore just won for Still Alice, a film that nobody remembers. Um, and again, you know, that might be a, a controversial statement. It's certainly not a film I remember, and it's certainly not a film that got any other nominations. Um, that being said, I'm going with Amy Adams in Enchanted for the same reason that I brought attention to James Marsden in Enchanted, except she carried the entire film, and she kind of used this as a springboard off into a huge career that she's constantly, she's perennially nominated. She's one of our most popular, most awarded, most recognized actresses right now. And and it's usually for, like, dramatic roles. Like, she's got to play, like, somebody who's addicted to crack or, or somebody who's, like, being chased by somebody or whatever. But in this... Like, she just perfectly embodied the role of a cartoon Disney princess in yeah. human form. Yeah. And that kind of shit gets recognized, recognized excuse me, um, and in the hindsight Oscars or in the hindsight awards. So I'm going to do it. Um, and I apologize for the curt tone in my voice, but but <laughs> that's just what David has brought upon us. So tell me. <laughs> tell me about the best actors. Perfect lead-in. <laughs> Daniel Day-Lewis for There Will Be Blood, of which I've watched many YouTube clips of his performance. <laughs> you dick. Um, obviously, he won. George Clooney and Michael Clayton, Johnny Depp and Sweeney Todd, Tommy Lee Jones and In the Valley of Elah, and Viggo Mortensen and Eastern Promises. There's a lot of other nominations that could have been grabbed here, um, such as you know the American gangster duo of Denzel and Russell Crowe. 
you know, we could have thrown in hell, man. I'd even make the case for Gerard Butler in 300, mm-hmm. you know, like Simon Pegg in Hot Fuzz. Um, I even threw Emil Hirsch for Into the Wild in there. Uh, a lot of different ones, a lot of different ones. Again, though, ultimately, and I say this to somebody who hasn't seen the full fucking movie, <laughs> but you're not beating Daniel Day-Lewis nope. and There Will Be Blood. Like, nope. it's it doesn't, you're not doing it. Well, and I think it is a testament, and granted, you're a big movie fan, um, but it's a testament to the fact that even without seeing the movie, you know how iconic of a, a job that Daniel Day Lewis did in this movie. Sure, and it's a tough movie to get through. Like, I'll admit, I own it like, too, dude. I've just I, never. I've watched. I watched it once in theaters, and I've watched clips of it when it's been on TV. I would never try and get through that whole film again, other than maybe if it was to force you to watch it the first time. It's and the thing is, is like I'm not actively avoiding no. it. It's not like the fucking emoji you movie. It. I bought it. <laughs> I just have not yet like like you said, like it's a film that you have to be ready for. Yes. And I've just never found myself it's in the mood. Long, slow. And like, hmm. not a happy movie. Like, what film am I going to watch like, today? Let's pull down. Hey, there will be blood. I'm going to yeah. watch that film. Like, it's it's it's, it's tough. So, uh, but moving on to best director, it was a really nihilistic year for movies. <laughs> it was like it was a tough year. Um, I think that you know, and I think bringing into the fact that you know you got your politics, you got your your housing market crises, like it's hard not to see that nihilism from like the world bleed into the Hollywood films that were nominated. Absolutely. Um, best director, you had the Coen brothers were the winners for No Country for Old Men. Okay. Paul Thomas Anderson, There Will Be Blood. Uh, Tony Gilroy, M- Michael Clayton, Jason Reitman, Juno, uh, Julian Schnabel. Schnabel. The Diving Bell and the Butterfly. <laughs> Okay. Doesn't get nominated for anything, but apparently he deserves a Best Director nomination. Uh, things overlooked. You got Joe Wright, Atonement, Brad Bird, Ratatouille, Ridley Scott, American Gangster. Yes. Um, Danny some other Boyle. names to, yeah. Peter Berg did The Kingdom. James, James Mangold, Mangold did 310 to Yuma. Frank David Darabont. Fincher did Zodiac. Uh, Edward Wright, Hot Fuzz, Ben Affleck, Gone Baby Gone. Yeah. Debut in there. Don't uh, worry, he'll come up a little bit later. David Yates uh, for the Harry Potter. Yep. Uh, and Paul Greengrass for Born Ultimatum. So you had some names that we'll hear from lots in the future, mm-hmm. um, as well as some ones that we hear a good amount of um, already. But, I mean, to me, I think this was really this year, thinking back to it and even my memories of this year, it's really a two-horse race between the Coen brothers and Paul Thomas Anderson. Sure. Um, PTA, by the way, still has not won. Which like, is kind of crazy. He's turning into like the new Tarantino. He is. So, but I got to stick with Coen Brothers. Um, one, I like that movie more than There Will Be Blood. Um, two, I like the storytelling of it a little bit more than than There Will Be Blood. Two, and the sure. way it was done. So, sure. I, I like the pick, and and I think it still holds up of the movies that were out there, but. Um, there was some underrated ones in there too, like Edward Wright in Hot Fuzz. Yeah, yeah, or Edgar Wright. Yeah, yeah. But Edgar I think you, I think you know, I think you brought up a good point. And even I lose sight of this sometimes. But ultimately, we're asking ourselves, like, was the right pick made? You know, that's sort of the whole reason that we started doing this was to put the Oscars on blast. And I agree with you. I think the right 
choice was made. I think the Cohen brothers absolutely destroyed it with No Country for Old Men. It is a mean, angry, cynical fucking movie, but it is so well made and it features such good performances that you just can't help but recognize it, you know? Although yep. I do agree. I think Frank Darabont's work in in The Mist is amazing and Edgar Wright in Hot Fuzz. Edgar Wright's going to get nominated for an Oscar one of these years. Like, he can't just keep making these great action comedies and not get – I mean, maybe he can. Who knows what the Academy is going to not do. <laughs> um, but going going to Best Picture for that year, again, the, the big year was for No Country for Old Men. This was one of the last years in which there were five nominees. So you had No Country for Old Men, Juno, Atonement, Michael Clayton, and There Will Be Blood. Those are not bad films. No. Um, but, like, you know, when you can throw in something that is near perfect as Ratatouille or something that is as hilarious as Hot Fuzz or as scary as The Mist is, or even Sunshine, which is one of my favorite sci fi films, like, it's hard not to at least want to list some of those as, like, the 10 nominees. Even Enchanted. For, for being a, co a comedic musical that it is, you know, is a delightful fucking film. And then, lest we forget Zodiac, again, one of David Fincher's most underrated films. Well, and I think you could even put 300 in there with what it did, one, to the movie release climate. True, because it, it was set a the February standard in movie. February. Yep. Uh, of that, that could be a month that you could make money in. I remember. Uh, how many people went and saw that opening weekend for a movie that was the type of movie that it was sure. in February? It was this crazy, like, artistically done, like, comic book movie. Yeah. and or so, graphic novel film. Yeah, and I think it was one of the earlier... It was that wasn't definitely wasn't the first, but I think it was one of the earlier graphic novel movies. We got a little trend there with like the Sin Cities and right. um, well, it was right in ones. between Batman Begins and the Dark Knight because Dark Knight came out in two thousand and eight. Yeah, so it was right when comic book movies started like going uh, dark. We're fucking and, serious yeah. now because two thousand eight was Iron Man. It was the Dark Knight. It was all those types of films, you know. Um, it's when comic book movies exploded. And one could make the argument that 300 was really one of the major catalysts of that. Yeah. That and like Batman Begins and X-Men, obviously. Yeah. And Sin City did come out in 2005. So it wasn't there that you we go. hadn't yeah, you had, throw that in there too. We hadn't had a graphic novel before, but this was the first one to really um, define that. But um, so what's your what's your pick in hindsight? I mean, No Country for Old Men is is again, it's one of my favorite films. I remember being in love with this film when it came out. Um, and so I'm gonna go with it again. I mean basically I'm going to go in this case, because I am not as like emotionally involved as I was with LA Confidential, I'm gonna say the Academy got it right. I'm gonna say No Country for Old Men was the best picture of that year. Well, and one thing I'd say about something we hadn't mentioned with No Country for Old Men, this was really like the revitalization of Josh Brolin's career. Ooh, good point. Like, he had kind of disappeared ever since. I mean, I mean, he had done work. Sure. But really, everybody before that probably just thought of him for the Goonies. <laughs> like, if we're being honest, I mean, I know there's been some other TV series. Sure. He was on, he, he had to roll in 21 Jump Street at some Hollow point. Man, what are you talking about? Okay. Um, 
He was like he was the, in the mod squad. He was like he the was leading in, good guy in Hollywood. He was in man. coastlines. He was in Milwaukee, Minnesota. You're like, right, though. Those dude. are the types of movies he was doing up into this. He was in he was in Grindhouse the same year as No Country for Old Men. One they both could, happened in 2007. One could he make was, the argument that Brolin is a bigger star now than he was when he was young. Do you realize all the work that he did in 2007? He did American Gangster. He did In the Valley of Elah. He did Planet Terror. He did uh, No Country for Old Men. He was in Grindhouse. Yep. He did a lot of work in 2007. Yep. And then he was in Milk. And then like everyone was like, oh shit, Josh Brolin's for real. Yeah. Then he got True Grit, Jonathan Hex. Yep. Thanos. Now he's just... A guy who uh, he's just a big name actor that's in a lot now of movies. Now he's just Josh Brolin. So, yeah. Good for him. So, I I I agree. I, they got it right that year. So no country for old men for good, sure. Good for Josh Brolin. That takes us to our final year. F- only five short years ago, David, when Ben Affleck was let out of his Hollywood purgatory, he had done enough. He had he was forgiven for Gili for Gili for, for Armageddon for forces of nature for all that shit. He was finally forgiven because he made Hollywood the hero in Argo. What did you, you call Armageddon? Did you just call Armageddon shit? No, I'm saying they thought it was oh, shit. Okay. Armageddon's one of the greatest action films ever made. <laughs> Let's make no mistake about it here. But it did help put Ben Affleck in his little Hollywood purgatory. Pearl Harbor? You know, like, like dare I say, he took all these leading man roles. <laughs> but Argo came out. Back in 2012 and won Best Picture, um, despite the fact that Ben Affleck was not nominated for director, which we will get to in a moment. Um, Django Unchained, bringing Tarantino back up. Tarantino seems to pop up, like, apparently every five to ten years because we got more Tarantino here. Lincoln, Daniel Day-Lewis pop. Daniel Day-Lewis has popped up in each one of these. Mm-hmm. Um, you had films like 21 Jump Street, The Cabin in the Woods, The Avengers, The Dark Knight Rises, The Hunger Games, Looper, fucking Looper, Skyfall. Uh, I mean, <sighs> the amount of film. I mean, shit, even Magic Mike or maybe, maybe, and I know I said Armageddon's one of the greatest action films ever made, but compared to the Raid films, it's dog shit respectfully and i love armageddon <laughs> but the raid redemption Comparing is one of those two movies is just weird to me. right isn't it <laughs> one of the best action martial arts fil- films ever made is the raid redemption and that came out that year as well so take us back david beside those movies take us back 12 2012 five short years ago and remind us what the hell was going on so it wasn't that long ago so uh Gas still was expensive, $3.91. Yeah. Uh, hurricane Sandy hit the East Coast. That's when the Jersey Shore got beat up by the hurricane. Uh, Obama was reelected. Facebook went public. Our space history took a little hit. We lost Neil Armstrong and Sally Ride in 2012. Um, and it marked the first year you and I dedicated far too many hours of our life to seeing as many movies as possible in a in a year. So was this one of that our, was the first year this we was did the this. first year? Yeah. No wonder I don't remember so much of it. I blocked <laughs> it out. I, uh, I blocked that shit out hard. Yep. Man. So, All right. Um but it also I will say one of the things about that is it did 
because we did our competition that year, it did open my eyes to a number of films that I probably wouldn't have seen. So this year, there's not many films as we go through this that I didn't see. Um, yeah. So I can speak on pretty much every one of the films we talk about here. That's so, a really good point. I was wondering why this one was easier to fill out than the other ones. Yeah, exactly. Shit, man, I really was. <laughs> I was wondering why this was so much easier. I'm like, I remember all of these films because we have fucking competition here. Yep. Damn. So uh, in, this, Damn. in this year, starting out with Best Supporting Actress, the winner was Anne Hathaway for singing in Les Mirages. Les, Le, Les Mis. Let's just Les say Les Mis. Mis. Uh, <laughs> Les Miserables. Les Miserables. Uh, Amy Adams, The Master, okay. Sally Field, Lincoln, Helen Hunt. Helen, Helen Hunt. Hunt. I told See? you she How would dare come you. back. I told uh, you. The Sessions, Jackie Weaver, Silver Linings Playbook, um, some overlooked one, Elizabeth Banks, Hunger Games, Scarlett Johansson, The Avengers, Brie Larson, 21 Jump Street. Um, there's a lot of other ones. Kerry Washington, Django, Mila Kunis, Ted, uh, Judy Dench, Skyfall, Judy Dench, Anne now. Hathaway in The Dark Knight Rises, yeah, Halle Berry in that crazy movie Cloud Atlas, Judy. De- uh, I have a little respect for Cloud Atlas. I know it was just crazy. <laughs> uh, Megan Fox in This Is Forty. Yeah, uh, she's amazing in that film. By the way, <laughs> she is great. Um, so for me. I'm not going to give Anne Hathaway this for less miserable. Not going to fall for the so – I wrote in this article that Les Mis is nothing but singing, and there is one song by one singer that is designed purely to tug on your heartstrings and to activate your deepest emotions. It, it's a, This song is designed to win people awards. Yep, that's true. And it did. So that's great for it her. Did. In the Hindsight Awards, though, she does not win. Um, <laughs> you know what? I really did not like this category. Um, for a lot of different reasons. None of these characters were that memorable to me. Like, I remember them from the fact that I remember them, but, like, thinking of them as, oh, they were amazing in that. Sure. You know who the... This one's this one's really difficult for me to say, but I'm going to go with Rebel Wilson for Pitch Perfect. What the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? She's the... She's what? the one. She's the one that I remember the most as being memorable in any of these movies. What is happening right now? You know, I could have picked Sally Field and Lincoln. That would have been the easy way to go. But you know what? I'm I'm going. <laughs> you, I don't even. You wanted diversity, Rick. I'm giving you diversity. I don't. I don't. I don't even. I uh, I, I don't. Bruh. Okay, fine. Since we're, okay, well, this has just blown everything up. Just wait till we get to the next category, though, dude. This next category is going to be fucking bananas. But I do think Anne Hathaway deserved it for this role. This role exists for one reason, to crush it, and that's what she did. So I am going to give it to her. I am going to fall for the bullshit. But I do – you can make those faces that the listeners can't see all you want, and that's fine. But I do want to bring special attention to Anne Hathaway again, but for The Dark Knight Rises. Because you look at these two performances, and they are by two completely opposite people. Mm-hmm. And someone who comes in and takes the iconic role of Catwoman, something that was done to near perfection by Michelle Pfeiffer before, Oh, I thought you were going to say by Halle Berry. How <laughs> How dare, how dare you? Halle Berry is an Oscar-nominated, not an Oscar-winning actress, sir. Um, but what she did with that role in The Dark Knight Rises was something that was truly phenomenal. She played it in a completely different manner. 
Um, and I thought she did an excellent job in it, and she deserves recognition for it. But I'm going to give it to her for Les Mis because that's what you do for that role <laughs> in Les Mis. That's, that's what happens. Thanks, and Academy. Everyone else just feels like it, it just feels gross. Thanks, Academy. Now, you want to talk about a category that is stacked from head to toe. You're talking Best Supporting Actor in 2012. Christoph Waltz won for Django Unchained playing Dr. King Schultz. But you also have Alan Arkin in Argo, phenomenal. Robert De Niro in Silver Linings Playbooks, basically showing everybody he's still got it. Philip Seymour Hoffman in The Master, phenomenal. Tommy Lee Jones as Thaddeus Stevens in Lincoln, phenomenal. So what I did, I blew this completely up. I think that I'm going to just put it out here. I think that these five nominations are perfect. I think they shouldn't be touched. I think they're fantastic. And I think Christoph Waltz deserves it. But I wrote down five nominees just to challenge myself. I wrote down DiCaprio in Django Unchained, Bruce Willis in Looper, bringing Javier Bardem back for Skyfall, Tom Hardy as Bane in The Dark Knight Rises, and I'm giving some Andy Circus love to uh, The Hobbit in An Unexpected Journey. Um, I feel like those five nominees are still perfectly capable. I'm not gonna pick one because, you know, uh, uh, Christoph Waltz still deserved it for Django, but I feel like those are like my alternate five nominees for this category. Um, I don't know if you approach this from that interesting of a point of view because there were a lot of great performances that year, but none I feel squeaked past any of these other ones. Yeah, I I mean, I think they had the right ones nominated. I'd say, you know, if I could substitute out, it'd be mostly because my dislike of the movie The Master. But it's a no, weird fucking but movie. There's, but there's no denying how good Philip Seymour Hoffman was. Rest in peace. Pour one out for Philip. Pour one out. Um, but... I think I think they got it right in their nominations, and I also think they got it right in their winner. I agree, one hundred percent. Moving on to Best Actress. So Best Actress, we had Jennifer Lawrence, Silver Linings Playbook, the, was the winner. Yep. Jessica Chastain, Zero Dark Thirty, Naomi Watts, The Impossible, mm -hmm. Emmanuel Riva, Riva from your favorite Amor, Quavenzini. Uh, Quavenzini. I think Wallace from uh, Beast of the Zandi. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, Beasts of the Southern Wild. Uh, people over overlooked. I think you know there wasn't tons of like memorable no leads really. uh, this year, um, but you had ones like Leslie Mann and This Is Forty, Meryl sure. Streep. If you want to know what movie she did that year, Hope Springs. <laughs> Uh, Jessica Chastain was great and Lawless. Yep. Helen Mirren and Hitchcock, if you want to know what she did that year. One of the ones that nobody really saw is Anne Dowd in Compliance. You want to watch a little fucked up little drama, like a real tense thriller of a drama, watch that film. It's it's about a, a, a fast food manager who gets a call from an FBI agent saying that, like, you know, one of your employees is wanted, put him in the back room, make him strip, like make him do all this shit. And apparently it's based on a true story. Like, cause that wasn't an actual FBI agent. Like it yeah. is fucking disturbing, Yeah, but nobody saw it. But you also had, I can't remember how you pronounce her name. Is it Numi or is it Naomi? I think it's Numi. Numi Rapace. Numi Rapace. Sure. Prometheus, apologize for our butchering of some of the pronunciations yep, on here. Savages. Um, 
she was great in Prometheus. Uh, so you had you had a number of you know solid performances. I think I think they got it right in sure. here. To me, it was a two horse race between Jennifer Lawrence and Jessica Chastain. Mm -hmm. um, I think both of them were fantastic. I think Jennifer Lawrence probably that role required a little bit more than what Jessica Chastain's role did. Um, they both knocked it out of the park, but I think you you stick with Jennifer Lawrence. And this was kind of the beginning. I mean, we already had it in, um, you know, this was a big year for her with Hunger Games. Um, it was, I mean, she was in Hunger Games. She was in Silver Linings Playbook. And I believe this was, was also the year, year she was in, like, The House at the End of the Street. Sure. Like she had three movies of varying genres. Yeah. Um, big so, year for her. Big year for Emily Blunt, too. Yeah. But I think uh, this was obviously the start of her being around a lot. Um, but I think they got it right with her. Yeah, I agree. Um, I would have probably thrown Emily Blunt from Looper in there. And I would have thrown Anna Kendrick and Pitch Perfect in there, too, if we're going to start making grandiose claims about Rebel Wilson. Like, Anna Kendrick, <laughs> which still fucking blows my mind, by the way. I have to tell you, I am shook from that choice. Um, but, like, Anna Kendrick... Like, like one, one, the fucking hearts of the country in Pitch Perfect. Um, so, but I agree with you. I think Jennifer Lawrence is is the way to go there. Um, best actor. Five years later, after winning uh, for There Will Be Blood, Daniel Day Lewis is back, winning for Lincoln. Bradley Cooper for Silver Linings Playbook. Hugh Jackman for Les Mis. Joaquin Phoenix in The Master. Denzel Washington in Flight. A lot of great performances this year. R like, really, really good performances. I would, though, cut out Jackman and Washington because Les Mis is a f borderline terrible film. Like, like I I'm not going to get into it. I could do a whole podcast on why Les Mis sucks. All right? <laughs> Hugh Jackman is phenomenal. Don't get me wrong. He's great in it. But the direction of that film, the way that that film is directed by Tom Hooper, submarines Hugh Jackman's performance. I, I, I'm just not going to get into it, but he's out, sadly. Sorry, Hugh. And then Denzel Washington in Flight. This is another example of a film getting no nominations except for its lead performance. And Denzel's great in it. He plays it in a way that you don't normally see Denzel. He's an addict. He's a drunk. He's addicted to everything. Um, and he's great in it, but I'm taking him out. I'm, I'm knocking him out there. Um, I would include probably Joseph Gordon-Levitt in Looper. Uh, absolutely phenomenal in that film. Jamie Foxx in Django, uh, again, like, he, he makes that film. Like, that film wouldn't be as cool if Jamie Foxx wasn't Django. Um, you have the double whammy comedic duo of Jonah Hill and Channing Tatum in 21 Jump Street. A lot of performances, but I just think for the sake of time, let's be honest, the Academy got it right. Daniel Day-Lewis, Perhaps one of the best portrayals of a president ever. Mm -hmm. Accurate. Um, just phenomenal. Just uh, sure. What else can you say about it? Yeah, I mean, it was a situation where everybody was kind of playing for second at this point. Um, you know, some of, some of my other favorites from the year. Um, I really liked um, Colin Farrell and Seven Psychopaths. If you haven't seen that movie. Oh, do it. It's a crazy <laughs> off the wall movie um but he was fantastic and sure. I, I enjoyed him a lot in it um also i'll give a shout out to our boy liam neeson in the gray Dude. i mean it was pretty much him and nature so i mean but 
like so good. Yeah. So, I mean, he was fantastic in it. Um, I also always think of the gray because of your story ever, if you ever want to, <laughs> if you ever want to know or no, I guess that was your, uh, that other movie. Anyways, bad, bad, bad. Oh man, uh, now I'm so fucking intrigued. We'll talk about it after. We'll talk about it after. <laughs> but anyways, um, yeah, they got it right. So moving on to best director this yes. year, we had, this was another weird year in that they went so many different directions I in these wiped, categories. I wiped the slate almost clean. Ang Lee, Life of Pi was the winner. You had Michael Haneke for Amor, Rick's favorite movie of the year. <laughs> uh, ben Zeitlin. Zeitlin for Beasts of the Southern Wild. Steven Spielberg, Lincoln. David O. Russell, Silver Linings Playbook. Um, obviously, the two biggest names in my – three biggest names, I think, that were left off this list were Ben Affleck for Argo, Catherine Bigelow for Zero Dark Thirty, and Quentin Tarantino for Django. Sure. Um, there was obviously a lot of other ones out there. Gareth uh, Evans for The Raid. Um, kind of expected that it wouldn't be nominated because... It's not the kind of film that doesn't get... It, no. it didn't get nominations, yeah. which is what I'm trying to change. But you had Phil Lord and Chris Miller kind of announcing their presence with uh, 21 Jump Street. Yep. Uh, you had Drew Goddard for Cabin in the Woods. Amazing. Uh, Joss Whedon for Avengers. Uh, even Soderbergh doing Magic Mike, which everybody has assumptions about the type of movie that Magic Mike is. I think it's very different than what really most people is. assume it, it is. It really is. Uh, and then obviously Christopher Nolan back again for Dark Knight Rises. Sure. Um, there was a lot of other ones out there. Wes Anderson did a movie, so it was weird. You and got it was Moonrise Kingdom. You got some boys um, who are now franchise boys. You got J.A. Bayona, who's doing the next Jurassic World movie. You had Ryan Johnson, who yep. we know from Star Wars now. Yep. Sam Mendes did Skyfall, um, which did not get nearly enough love this year. I mean, year. even from us, like, it's such a stacked year that, like, we didn't mention Daniel Craig. Yep. We didn't mention Judy Dench. You know, I, I mean, we mentioned Javier Bardem, but Skyfall is a criminally underrated film. Yeah. In terms of, like, awards recognition. Sure. So, for me, it was ridiculous um, that they didn't even put him in the nominees. Yeah. But for once, I will be with you on your boy. Ben Affleck yes. deserved it. How you can win the Golden Globe and then not even be nominated for the Oscar is beyond me. Um, not only that, David, but how you can win all of the nominations and, in all of the other awards. And that would be where at the start of this year you mentioned how Ben Affleck had redemption and everybody had forgiven him yeah. for all his other things. I think this was all the directors since the directors are the ones that do a lot of the voting they for the like, Academy Fuck Awards. You, ben. I think this was one last middle finger to Ben Affleck that said He wins <laughs> Here's for Geely. He wins Best Director in the Critics Choice Awards <laughs> that year, the Golden Globes that year, the BAFTAs that year. I think he even won the DGA Award that year. I don't know for sure, but I'm pretty sure that he did. And he didn't even get a nomination. <laughs> That is a double middle finger. Yep. Double it's middle true. finger. So, so, yes, you and I finally <laughs> extended an olive branch here. Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck, best director, Argo. Like, uh, Funny thing to me is my top three for this year yeah. weren't even nominated. No. To me, my top three would have been Affleck, Bigelow, and Tarantino Crazy. for this year. Ang Lee was phenomenal for Life of Pi. Yeah. But it was Ang Lee written all over it. It sure. was, you know, from I that mean, standpoint. He was fantastic. And, and I really liked, 
we're going to get into this in best picture. I really liked Beasts of the Southern Wild, and Lincoln obviously was fantastic, and right. the Silver Linings playbook was was good. Um, but I think you missed three of the best direction performances um, in those three. One hundred percent. I think uh, I agree with everything you said. I mean, <laughs> it's it's crazy. But yes, as far as directors go, Ben Affleck, Argo, printed. That takes us to our final category of this episode, Best Picture for 2012. What was nominated? Argo, yes. Amore, fuck no. Beast of the Southern Wild, eh. Django Unchained, yes. Les Mis, fuck no. Life of Pi, yeah. Lincoln, sure. Silver Linings Playbook, eh. And Zero Dark Thirty, you know, eh. That's not to say that those two films are not great films. They are great films. But there are so many great films that came out this year. This was the year I felt we could really diversify it up. I'm ta- like We talked about The Raid, Skyfall, 21 Jump Street, Looper, The Avengers, The Cabin in the Woods. I feel like they all could have gotten into a 10-nomination field and not been chastised, you know? Like, you have Cabin in the Woods, which is a, a complete reinvention of the horror genre. You have The Avengers, a film that was so well put together that Joss couldn't even duplicate it a second time. You have Looper, which is one of the best original sci-fi films of the past 20 years. 21 Jump Street, again, redefined what a comedy could be. Both fucking ridiculous, but also really, really smart. The Raid Redemption, again, one of the best martial arts films ever made. And Skyfall. Easily one of the best James Bond films ever made. Mm-hmm. One of the best James Bond films ever made. All of those deserve the nomination, but I think they got it right. I'm going with Argo. I think it was an extremely tense film. I think it was a really interesting story to be told. And, I mean, you knew Hollywood was going to ma- let it win because Hollywood's the hero. Mm-hmm. You know, the, they saved the hostages through the miracle of filmmaking. Hollywood likes to jerk itself off, David, and it's not going to not give itself that award. Um, although it has since learned its lesson because La La Land did not win. It's true. So that's my call. I think they got it right with Argo. I would agree. And and one little note on Argo, because if you go to if you go to the post that we did, and again you can vote on these online and give us your opinions. Yes. Uh, PopcornDietPodcast.com. You will see the poster for Argo. And I love that on the poster, it says, from the director of the town comes this declassified true story. Yeah. I just like that Affleck decided, you know what? We're going to use from the director of the town. Right. You never see Steven Spielberg put on his movies from from the director of Jurassic Park. No, because he's, he's dra- just Steven Spielberg. <laughs> but know? I like, I think Affleck was almost like, remember how good the town was? Right. The same dude who did that. I, I did that. Just don't remember it was me because... Because you might not vote for me then. Like, from, from director Ben Affleck. <laughs> like, oh, what? You mean the guy who was in Pearl Harbor? Get the fuck out of here. I agree. I agree 100%. Dude, that's a really good observation. Um, and that does it for our first annual Hindsight Awards. In hindsight, it looks like most of them got it right. Maybe not so much in the nominations, but probably in the winners. So... Good on you guys. History has has shown that that there is still room, you know, for improvement with the other genres, but for the most part, 
the best films won. Um, again, if you want to read through these nominations, if you want to vote for all three of these years, go to popcorndietpodcast.com or follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram at The Popcorn Diet. But for our historian, Mr. David Melhorn, I am Rick Williamson. We will see you on our next episode where we give you our final Oscar predictions on The Popcorn Diet. Adios.